Well, it's been a, a great pleasure and an honor for us to start reading our books. The first book is called The Booth, and it's all about having a quiet time in the presence of God every day. So many people I am meeting are in a state of stress, anxiety, even depression. This book in just everyday language will show you exactly how the Lord wants us to live. So I pray that this will bless you. We're doing it for no other reason, just so that you will get closer to Jesus Christ as your friend. Pray for others. The Bible says in James chapter 5 and verse 16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we start to pray for others, God does something in our own hearts. Especially pray for your enemies, something that is often the hardest thing to do. Pray for those who say evil about you. Pray for those who have turned their back on you, who have falsely accused you. Pray for them as Jesus prayed for his disciples, knowing full well that they were going to betray him, run away and leave him. Still, he prayed for them. And then when I am finished doing this, I normally have a list of names that I pray for. I have many spiritual sons who I am mentoring, and I try to pray for them individually each day that God may undertake for them. After praying for others, go out and face your day, and I guarantee it will be wonderful because the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. That is exactly what happens in my life. That intimacy doesn't stop in the prayer room. Not at all. It goes into the marketplace, onto the sports field, onto the farm, and most importantly, onto the platform or the pulpit where you are preaching. People must see Jesus in you. My dear friend, the greatest compliment that any person can ever pay you is when they say that they can see Jesus Christ in you. There is no greater compliment. The only way that this can happen is by spending time with the Master. There is simply no other way. You see, when you spend time with people, you become like them. The more time you spend in prayer, in reading the Word of God with fellow believers, the more you become like Jesus Christ. You will start thinking the way the Lord thinks. You will start having compassion on the poor, the needy, the hungry, the lost, the elderly, the widows, and the orphans. As you support and bless them, God will honor you. It's as simple as that. Of course, there are many other advantages to having that time with the Master. He gives you clarity of thought when you spend time in His presence. You start getting your priorities in order. You start realizing what's important in life. And you don't get sidetracked. Instead of running around like a headless chicken, you start thinking soundly and you start acting 
upon God's instruction. It's vital to be a good example. You can tell your children till the cows come home that they need to spend time with God, but they will not do it until they see you doing the same. It's a wonderful thing when your kids get up in the morning and dad is in his closet, his booth, spending time with the Lord. That will encourage them to do the same. Healing through prayer. Come to Jesus when you are struggling with issues like depression, anxiety, fear, anger, or whatever it might be. When you spend time with the Lord, you will find soothing balm and guidance. The peace you find in your quiet time with God will help you more than any medicine. I have found that in my own life. Before I became a Christian, I regarded myself as a pretty good farmer. But there was many a time I couldn't sleep at night. I used to get so worried about the weather, the cost of things, the state of the country, and many other issues. After I gave my life to Jesus, I started having these regular times with the Master, and the Lord began to reassure me through His Word, that He is in control of everything. The current government and the weather are not in control because God is the weatherman. Then peace and tranquility would come upon me and I would start thinking correctly. Then, of course, I began making the right decisions. People even perceived me in being a wise man. In actual fact, I was the same man I always was, but the Lord Jesus Christ became the captain of my ship. There are so many spin-offs to spending time in the presence of Almighty God. I have found that my relationship with others improved immeasurably. I became more patient, more understanding, looking at things not just from my point of view, but from my fellow man's point of view as well. And with that tolerance came renewed respect. I found that men started to respect me more than ever before. I discovered that my language started to change. Because I was aware of the presence of God in my life at all times, I had to brush up on my language. I had a very foul mouth before I became a believer, simply because my vocabulary was so limited. However, after spending time in God's presence, I didn't want to, under any circumstance, offend the Lord. As a result, I started to watch my tongue, and that overflowed to other people as well. In fact, I can honestly say to you that since the day I was saved, I have not blasphemed. I have shouted a lot, I must confess, and I am still working on that one. But I have never taken the Lord's name in vain or blasphemed in any way. It hasn't even been an effort for me. It's been the desire of my heart. You see, when you love somebody so much, there is no way that you want to offend them or in any way harm their reputation. It's all about a personal relationship, and that's what gets me up in the morning. 
It's what motivates me to spend time in the presence of Almighty God. And it's what intensifies my first fruits every morning. That friendship, that personality, that character I have grown to love and to know over the years. Chapter 2, Rest. Many years ago, I heard a very special story that I think highlights the necessity of spending quality time and quantity time with Jesus. Dr. Stephen Alford, born in Zambia, the beautiful country that I had the privilege of growing up in, was regarded as the preacher's preacher. He told the true story of a dynamic young missionary who was called to start a mission station in the depths of the Congo jungle many years ago. This man single-handedly carved a beautiful mission station in the dense jungle, starting with a church where he would preach faithfully every Sunday. Through him, many souls were brought to Jesus Christ as Savior. He would have midweek Bible study groups and youth meetings every Friday night. In the meantime, he built a school and taught the tribesmen how to read and write. He worked up to 18 hours a day with no time off to rest or to even spend time with God. The young missionary was just continually pushing himself, digging deep into his inner soul for strength and inspiration. He had a full schedule in addition to preaching the Word of God every Sunday. The local villagers really loved him dearly, especially when he started building a little mission hospital as well. On one particular Sunday morning, as was customary, the villagers came to the church for the service. However, when they arrived, the bell wasn't ringing. They didn't see the dynamic young preacher anywhere. This was most unusual, as he was always there first on a Sunday morning. The elders went to the little one-roomed grass hut where he lived to see if he was all right. After shouting at the door and getting no response, they decided to break it down. When they got inside, they were horrified at the sight that confronted them. There, lying on the floor, was the young man of God. He had killed himself. The elders walked out of that little grass hut totally disillusioned and went back and told the congregation there was a great silence. The people were stunned. They walked out of the little church, closed the door behind them, and put up a sign on the door that simply said, There is no God. And then they went back into the jungle and never returned. What we can learn from this is that the evil one is not interested in the good works that we do for Jesus. No, he's only interested in destroying us because he knows that if he can destroy us, then every other good thing we have done for God will amount to nothing. If there is one thing we must never sacrifice for anyone, that is our quiet time with Jesus. If we remain committed, then we shall finish this race strong 
for Jesus. Devout men of God. Men of the caliber of Martin Luther and John Wesley, who impacted this world through their ministries, would never budge on compromising their quiet time with the Lord. Not for anyone or anything. It is said that when Luther got really busy, he would just get up earlier in the morning to spend time with God. Not like us, who tend to have a shorter quiet time when things become very busy. He would actually increase his precious time with the Lord. John Wesley, they say, was once invited to visit Her Majesty, the Queen of England, at Buckingham Palace. She invited him to come and have tea with her as she wanted to personally thank him for turning Britain from a nation of drunkards into a nation that ruled the world. He was there on time, as was his nature. A real stickler for discipline he was. But the queen was late. She eventually arrived with her huge entourage, with all the silver, the cutlery, the cake, and the tea was set out. Wesley stood up and bowed to Her Majesty, saying he had to excuse himself for he had another appointment. She replied that she had only just arrived. But the man of God said that every day at a certain time, he had an appointment with his king, Jesus. And with that, he left the palace. When you and I wonder why God uses some men and women to change the world and not others, I venture to say that maybe some folk have got their priorities in order and some haven't. Smith Wigglesworth, the old master plumber from Yorkshire, England, was responsible for raising some 12 or so people from death by praying the prayer of faith over them. It is alleged that he was a man who never spent more than half an hour in prayer. But then again, he apparently never let half an hour go by without praying. There are very few coincidences in life. Men and women don't move mountains for God by chance. It happens when they put God first in their lives, spend lots of time in His presence, and then step out in faith. They know Him through intimate fellowship, and the rest is a formality. Refreshment and Rejuvenation As I am writing this book, I am reminded that to have a time with the Lord in that special place, which we call a booth, closet, or sukkoth, must never ever be hard work. It must never ever be a chore that you feel you have to do. Rather, it should be a great joy and a pleasure, a time of refreshment, a time of rejuvenation. My late dad, who was a blacksmith, always said to my brother and I, if you don't feel like going to your work in the morning, change your work. Simply put, because you spend most of your time in the workplace, it should be enjoyable. 
I honestly want to say that if your time with Jesus every morning is a labor of love, then it needs to stop because then something is wrong. For me, it is the opposite. To have time with the Lord Jesus Christ every day keeps me sustained, bringing joy and vision into my life. It makes me a new man, like going away for a good holiday, a welcome break. I am always so excited to see the new revelations that the Lord is going to give me. I want to know what He has to say to me, and when I have had that time of meditation, prayer, scripture reading, and listening to gospel music, I am ready to face whatever lies in my path. I know some men who live the life of a martyr. They seem to think that the more they work and the less fun they have, the more holy they become. This is not the case whatsoever. If you go back to our mentor, Jesus Christ, you'll find that he continues to encourage us to have regular quiet times, just as he had with his heavenly father. Often when the disciples would look for him and ask him where he had been, he would say, I have been with my father. They say a change is as good as a holiday. And I want to tell you that every day that I go into my booth is like a holiday because I never know what God has got in store for me next. Stepping out. As I write this book, I am preparing to go on my first ever visit to the USA. I'm going to Nashville, Tennessee via Virginia, where I will be speaking live on a huge television show. I cannot wait for that day. Obviously, there is also quite a lot of apprehension of the unknown. I wouldn't use the word fear. It's maybe too strong a word. But there are always a lot of things that build up inside of me before I go on a trip. As I've mentioned, one of them is that I miss my wife terribly when I'm away. Even as I write this book, I'm already getting homesick. Another one is not knowing what the outcome of the trip is going to be. I just know that God wants me to go. For that, I have no doubt, as He has opened so many doors. I am very excited, and I believe this is what gets me up in the morning. It is also what chases me into my booth to spend time with God. Because I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I am not going alone. The only way that I can keep my message on the cutting edge, making it interesting and exciting, is by spending time in the presence of Almighty God. If we don't have that time out, we will become very dull and boring to listen to, and maybe suffer from anxiety and fear. I would really encourage you to work on that quiet time and make it as exciting as possible. Do not let anything else come between you and God at that time. We need to be in His presence. He needs our undivided attention, and we need to be totally focused when we listen to Him. That is what keeps us relevant 
and makes our tasks in this world so very exciting. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Booth. 